0: Hello and welcome back to the Say What podcast, friends. I am so happy to be sitting here recording a podcast for you. I told you guys on Instagram this week, I was like, listen, I'm going to record a podcast, hold me accountable. And I knew that if I told you I was recording it, that I would have to do it. So sometimes when you're your, you know, own boss and your business is just like Based on if you do it or not, if it's not like your main source of income, you may just like, you know, not do it. Um, That has been my case for the past, I don't know, five months since my son has been born. I have been quite busy. And this maternity leave that I plan on taking from the podcast just happened to go, you know, a little bit longer. But, hey, it's fine. It's fine. We're here. I'm excited. My goal is to record every other week. So I think that's a really good goal. And if I record more than that, then awesome. Yay for you. Yay for me. Yay for all involved. I'm going to apologize in advance because um, as a mother you know, when I was pregnant, I had pregnant brain and now I have mom brain, but Hey, it's going to be fine. It's going to be great. We're going to get through it together. I think that I will be able to say all the words that I want to say, but who knows? It's going to be fun for us all. Um, but if this is your first time listening, hello, my name is Hannah and I like to talk about sex. I like to talk about purity culture. I like to share like real stuff going on in my life to help you feel less alone. And I also like to talk about painful sex and just all the things that have to do with that. So really happy that you're here. Thank you for joining. Um, Today's episode, I'm just going to kind of give you guys an update on where I've been, how things have been going, just some real life thoughts after having a baby and, you know, just trying to work and continue doing this podcast. And I feel now more than ever, it's so important to like break purity culture. Like I think about Tate, my son, and like how he's going to grow up, but how I want to teach him about things and about his body. And so I just, this, this topic that I talk about is just so important. And I feel that now more than ever. So I'm really excited to be back, be back podcasting. Um, a couple of the topics we're going to cover in this episode is going to be postpartum update. I'm going to talk about my body and how like I'm doing just postpartum. And I'm going to talk about working mom life, how that's going. Um, it's going terrible, but you know it's fine. I'll talk about it in a minute. I want to talk about sex, postpartum, and marriage. So like, what our marriage is like now after having a baby, what sex is like, and how that has gone with my history of vaginismus. And that stuff. And then I'm going to give an update on Thomas's OCD diagnosis. So those are the things that big things that's happening right now that I want to talk to you guys about, give you a little update. And I might as well just go ahead and jump in because, you know, I we just, we just got a lot to talk about. So let's talk about postpartum. So I had my beautiful, wonderful, amazing son on December 25th, a Christmas baby. And so we are five months in and everything is fantastic. Um, I really, really, really love my son. Uh, He's incredible. When I say everything's fantastic, I mean like everything with him is fantastic. Like he is so funny. He's got two teeth, you guys, within month four. He literally popped two teeth, which is wild because they say they can start teething in four months, but it usually happens a lot later for kids. And no, I just got it early. Um, Yes, he is biting me. Um, while we're breastfeeding. Yes, it hurts extremely bad and I want to die, but you know, it's fine. Um, You know, just trying to try to make it work. But so it's been five months since I had a baby and I am here to say my body feels extremely, um, what's the word? My Extremely, I don't want to say that. My body feels different since having a baby, but in the way of like, I still feel like it's constantly changing. So like, I feel like one day my stomach is like got kind of gone back to normal. And the next day I feel like I look four months pregnant. Like I really feel like I can't keep up. And sometimes I'm like, why do I still look like this? Like what is happening? And then I'm like, oh, you, you literally had, you gave birth five months ago. Like that's a lot on your body. Um, I feel like the first probably tw- seven, eight weeks was really hard on my body, like physically, like my healing, I had a labia tear. So I was healing from that. And just like, I was in diapers for probably the first three weeks. And so that was hard to do. But after that, like, I basically went from diapers to like my body feeling kind of normal again, to starting having some like cramping and just like discomfort up until about eight weeks. And since then, like, my body kind of has physically like feels kind of like back to how it did before with the exception of my like my stomach cannot like get it together like like I said one minute it looks great and fine and then the next Which well, I mean it still looks great I should say that. it still looks great I definitely struggle a lot with my body a lot more than I ever have before like if you're new to this podcast if you're not new to this podcast you know like I go through seasons of having like body image issues but overall that is not something I particularly struggle with as far as like looking at myself and like not liking what I see for the most part, like every size I've been able to like, you know, be happy with where my body's at, honor it. And I definitely have my days for sure, but that is just not a particular struggle that I have. Some people struggle with different things and have it more intense than others. And that's just not an area that I particularly struggled in until now. And so this has been very new for me. It's been very hard. I have been Like just trying to shop is extremely difficult. Like trying to figure out what kind of pants fit me, like what size I am. Like, I really don't care about the number, but just in general, trying to figure out what feels good, what doesn't. Like I was at a store yesterday trying on some pants and I was like, everything I feel like looks huge on me because also like, if like my waist is smaller, but my hips are big and my boobs, because I'm breastfeeding are just huge and saggy. And like, it just doesn't feel like it looks good. And, If like, I've never had to dress boobs this big before. And so that's been really difficult. It's like every outfit I was like, this just doesn't feel comfortable. I just want to wear a big sweatshirt and leggings and that be it. Like, I don't want to wear anything else. And people have been so nice. Like I have had people be like, oh my gosh, like you lost all your baby weight. Some woman said that to me who I've never met in my entire life. She knows me because she's like someone's friend and we just like met for the first time in person and she was like, you've never looked better. And I was like, you've never seen me before. And why are we commenting on my body? You just met me like, no. Um, and she was trying to be nice, but I was like, mm, no, thanks. Um, but like, it's, it's just difficult. Trying to get dressed is very difficult. I, you know, have fit into some of my pre baby jeans, which has been great. And then other times I'm like, I don't even know how to, this doesn't fit me at all. And so it just, it fluctuates so much. I so much. I don't have my period back, which I'm fine with. I'm like, I, I can just wait forever to get back, honestly. No, I know that your body, has, has, having a period is part of being a woman. But I haven't had that back. Um, so, yeah, it's been difficult trying to just, like, adjust to what my body is like. um, I will say like a purity culture thing that creeps in a lot with me is like when I'm breastfeeding and trying to dress my body for breastfeeding has been difficult because, you know, a, a purity culture thing is women's bodies are supposed to be covered up. But you're not supposed to show anything. And for a while, I was really struggling with breastfeeding in public because of that. I'm like, I just don't want like, I'm just wh- whipping my boobs out all over. And it's not like I'm just literally like grabbing my boob, taking it out of my shirt and like everyone can see. But I was just like feeling less self-conscious about that. And then I got to a better point with that. And I was like, you know what? I'm breastfeeding. This is just natural. If anybody has a problem with it, like that's kind of on them and they shouldn't be looking at me, looking at me anyways. Um, now with that being said, like I said, I'm not just like whipping my boob out for the world to see, but like, sometimes I just gotta like, you know, lift my shirt up and just kind of let him under it. But with that, like getting dressed, I am trying, every time I put clothes on, I'm like, okay, how can I easily feed Tate in this? can I easily feed Tate in this? If I can't, I'm not wearing it. And what I have found is like a lot of crop tops are actually really easy for me to feed Tate in because they can still like cover my body and I can just kind of like lift it up and he goes under it. Um, cause if I'm wearing something really large and there's a lot of fabric and that gets kind of difficult. And so I have found like crop tops are a lot easier and I've always like worn crop tops. I haven't personally never really had a problem with it. Um, because I was still like covered in a way, but like, I don't know, the boobs are quite large these days. Not going to lie. That's what breastfeeding does to you. And it's, it's quite difficult. I feel very just like out and proud and, or like, I just like my boobs are just like out and just large. And it just feels very uncomfortable. I like, I want to cover it up. And I'm like, that is, that is purity culture seeping into my brain too. Like, cause it's not necessarily how to feel like I'm not being modest. Cause I am like in, in the way that I dress, I do like to dress more modestly for me, that's just my preference. So it's not necessarily that. It's just like, I can just hear like purity culture. And I'm like, Oh, these people are going to judge me if I like, you know, am wearing this certain outfit, even though it's easier for me to breastfeed my child. It's just a weird mental place. And I plan on recording an entire podcast talking about that. So I don't want to give away all my thoughts because that's one of my episodes that I have that I'm going to record. So I'm not going to give everything with that. But it is, it is quite difficult. It's, purity culture has definitely been seeping into my brain of like, you got to cover up. You can't let anybody see. And it's a very, it's very weird thing. Another thing with postpartum for me that is very interesting is that, I get really extreme hunger pains and I was not prepared for this. Like there's a couple of times where I was like, what is happening in my body? I literally am in like dire pain in my stomach. I don't know what's going on. Like this hurts so freaking bad. And then I'll go eat. And then like anything and then I'll feel better like right after. And so I'm like, is that what hunger pains are like? I think it is because with breastfeeding, like you're giving so much of your body. And so you have to be eating a lot more than what you were before. And so I'm pretty much eating all day, every day, anything inside. Like I'm like so hungry all day long. And the hunger pains are really extreme, and that is really hard. Like, I'll be, like, breastfeeding or um, have just fed or something. If I, like, didn't eat before, I'll literally tell Thomas like, I need you to get me food right now. I'm going to die. And it really feels that way. Like, it's really really intense. There's been times where I've been, like, dead asleep, and I'll wake up because I'm having those pains, and I have to go get food. And then once I eat, I feel better. (laughs) But it's just, like, what is happening? I was not prepared for that. That was something I was not prepared for postpartum like at all. And that didn't really start until probably month three, maybe. Um, okay. What else is on my list? So I am very grateful that I did not experience any postpartum anxiety or postpartum depression. Um, I it's, it's, it's hard because like, I want to talk about this in a way that's like, real um but I know that postpartum anxiety and postpartum depression is like a very real thing that people talk about and I don't want to discount that but for me I just did not experience that um and sometimes I would feel bad saying that like how much I love being a mom and how much I just feel like this is like just the natural thing in my life and I was actually talking to my friend Caroline about this because I was telling her I was like you know I really expected to be a lot more anxious. Like I really did. I expected to be a lot more anxious after having him. I wasn't really sure if I'd have depression. I never, I've never experienced that before. Like, well, no, I take it back when I was pregnant. Gosh, I did. Have, I did have, um, post or prenatal depression. That was really, that was really extreme. But I kind of thought like once I'm, because pregnancy was so hard for me, you guys know, I was like, okay, well, once I have the baby, it's probably going to be better because I'm not pregnant anymore. And so I didn't really think that I would have postpartum depression. Um, And I guess nobody really thinks they're going to have it and they just have it. But I didn't really think I was going to have that. I was like, I'm probably going to have postpartum anxiety. And there's definitely times that I get very anxious. Like I specifically remember kind of early on, I tried to drive like any farther than like five minutes with Tate. I couldn't do it. Um, I was like super anxious. I pull over the side of the road, make sure he was breathing. Like I have a camera, I can see him in the car, but I was just like, not okay. And then after that, I didn't really leave my house with me driving him, just me and him for like probably a month, maybe longer because I was so terrified, um, any longer than just like to church and back in our church is like two minutes from my house. And so I wouldn't go any farther than that. And I do think that was a symptom of some postpartum anxiety, but that was the only thing. And it didn't really get bad. And I, and I was a month is probably extreme, maybe it was a few weeks. But um, that's really all I experienced the anxiety. Like I definitely have my moments of like, is he breathing? Is he okay? Like can't sleep. But uh, to have like actual postpartum anxiety, like experiencing it for a long time, and it causing like actual disruptions in my life, I didn't really experience. And like I said, I was talking to my friend about this of like, sometimes I feel bad. I'm like, am I not do I not care about my son because I'm not anxious about it all the time? And I've not really wanted to talk about that publicly because I'm like, I don't want people to come for me, but you know, I don't know why they would. I'm just being very vulnerable with that because I want to honor where everybody's at. And I don't want to say that I wish I had postpartum anxiety because it's not that at all, but there's definitely like anxious thought of, thoughts about not being anxious. <laughs> That's really it. I'm like, am I not feeling this enough because I'm not anxious? Like, I'm so grateful that PPA and PPD is a lot more PPAs, postpartum anxiety, PPDs, postpartum depression. I'm really thankful that those are a lot more publicized down, people talk about it because we women absolutely need support and need help after they have a baby. Your hormones are wild. They're wild. Um, so you definitely need that. And I'm so glad it's talked about. Like, I don't want people to ever suffer. And I'm so grateful that I was able to just, like, keep an eye on where I was at mentally after having a baby, like, with this. Like, I'm really grateful because I had my therapist in place. I had my acupuncturist in place. I have some fr- some really trusted friends. I had my gyno, who was fantastic. And so I had – I really felt like I had support. Like, if I – I knew, because I also had been going, I'd gone to therapy for years, so I knew, like, if I, I knew the signs for me that anxiety gets bad, and I knew that there was things I could do about it, and so I think because I already had that support in place, I felt pretty good, you know, knowing that, like, if I did get really anxious, or if I did, Start seeing a pattern and disrupting my life. I I knew where I could go to get help, um, and I'm really grateful for that. But there was definitely times where I'm like, I'm feeling anxious because I'm not anxious. But I think it's just this is something that I've wanted my entire life is to be a mom, and it comes really natural to me. If I'm just being honest, like I've been around kids my whole life. I've babysat, I've nannied, and having your own is extremely different than that. But I have been around kids a lot, and I feel like I just have a natural instinct, like when it comes to Tate, like with what he needs and if he's okay and what I should do and things like that. And I'll be honest with you guys, I Google all the time. I I live on Google asking them like Tate's poop looks like this or what time should my five-year-old go to bed? Like I, I live on Google and I love to do my research and I have books and stuff. Um, but I didn't, I don't do, a, if I don't know something, I'll look it up. But I really just kind of go off of like, Tate's cues and what he needs. Like we do not follow a schedule. I do not sleep train. I just kind of like go off of what he needs and it's worked really well for us. And we're just kind of like in this groove where like we work together, like breastfeeding got significantly easier, like three months in, like it was so hard for me. It was so painful. I was on nipple shields for the first three months. Like it was so hard, but we were going on a trip in March and I was like, when he was, mm, I think I got off the nipple shields right during that trip. He was like a little over two months old. And so I was like, I want to be off nipple shields by then. Like, I want this to be easy. And so I really like tried different positions and slowly weaned myself off, off using nipple shields. And it honestly just got better. Like one thing my OBGYN told me, she was like, So breastfeeding is going to be really hard for probably the first two or three months, but it does get easier. If you really want to continue breastfeeding, just stick with it. Like I know it's hard, it's painful, but it does get easier. And she was absolutely right. Like it was, it did get easier. And I'm so glad I stuck through the really hard, painful times um, because it got easier. And now like it is, I will be honest, it's, it's, I don't want to say easy for us, but it kind of is like, I can pop him on the boob whenever and we're pretty good. Um, now he's biting me because he has teeth and we're working through that, but it got easier and I'm really grateful for that. And I really want to share the positive things with motherhood because so much of it is negative. And so I want to share the like goodness that it can be. And if this is not your experience, I do want to say like, I'm so sorry. You are not alone. Um, I know there's so much support out there with like therapy and you can talk to your doctor and hopefully you have a group of people around you that are supporting you. And that's one thing that I cannot talk this episode. Like I'm going to talk about it in the working mom section, but I have had the best friends who Mm -hmm. have helped so much who I can call on if I need it. And I really don't know like where I would be without them truly, um, because it's, they've been so helpful and I'll talk about, to talk about them, you know, later in the episode. But, um, you know breastfeeding just got just got easier and so i felt like that helped out a lot um but like we just kind of like go with the flow with each other. And so I'm really grateful that I haven't experienced any of that. Honestly, like there's definitely hard days and hard times that I'm not saying that at all, like that. It's just easy every single day because that is so far from the truth. It is not easy every single day. Um, but I think another big part of why I haven't experienced PPA or PPD is because me and Thomas really parent as a team. And that became so evident to me when we traveled home for a bit, a couple of weeks ago. And whenever somebody heard that Thomas changes all the diapers, they were like stunned. They were like, Oh my gosh, like dad of the year. How did you get that to happen? And I was like, how did I get that to happen? He's his dad. So he's going to, Parent him as well. Like, I'm confused. Um, like, we truly are a team. And I'm learning that, that is not the norm. And so, I do want to encourage you, my girls listening, like, let your partner help you because I do think sometimes, like, as moms, of course, we carried this child for nine, 10 months of our life. Like, they're connected to us. They're one. There's a lot that we want to do. Like, if you let your partner help you, like, that really does make the world of difference because I know a lot of times they want to help you, they may not know how. And so, you can say, like, If you're feeding them, like, they can change all the diapers. They can help get up with you in the middle of the night. Like, Thomas literally gets up with me, except for Saturday nights because he has to work, um or has to be up really early, and Sundays are a long day. So, like, except for Saturday nights, like, he gets up with me every single time Tate is up. He gets up first, and he goes and changes Tate's diaper. And then I feed him, and he stays awake with me in the nursery until Tate's done feeding, and he lays Tate back down in his bed. And we have a really good rhythm with that. And I don't think that's crazy to ask, honestly. I Like, Thomas goes to work every day, and I have to stay home with Tate and work with him. Um, and so, like... And I need the help in the middle of the night. And I think that's okay to ask. And and it's not even the help. It's like Thomas is doing his part. Like we equally parent. And so I think that's a big part of why I don't have PPA or PPD because I just like had the support there. And I know that sometimes you can have all the support in the world and you'll still get that. Um, and to that, I say like, I'm really sorry. And I feel really grateful that I have not experienced that. Like truly, truly, truly grateful. Um, I do have my hard days, definitely five days where I've just cried a bunch being away from family is hard, but overall I'm really grateful. I haven't experienced that and I can give all the thanks to my support system and my family because wow, it is, um, it being a parent is extremely hard. Um, and I will also say the last thing on the postpartum, like how my body has been, I will say comparison is really hard. Um, that is something, like, comparing my body to other people that, again, I have not super struggled with until postpartum. Like, I don't necessarily feel pressure from, like, people to, like, quote, bounce back to my other body. Like, my body will never be the same. Like, once you've birthed the kid, like, that changes your body. Like, it'll never be how it was before, and that's totally fine with me because my body is incredible. It birthed the baby, and that's really awesome, and I feel really proud of that. Uh, but I do feel comparison when I see other postpartum moms who are in the same, like, season... Or, like month as I am or close to where I am. I'm like, my body does not look like yours. And that is, I don't understand how you do it. Um, and it's not in a way of like, Oh, I'm jealous. I wish I look like you. It's more of like, I love that you could do that. That is not my, that is not my reality. And I don't understand. (laughs) And so that, that has been difficult and I'm working on that and getting off my phone has really helped me out a lot. I've literally had to like throw my phone away because, Oh my gosh. I mean, I didn't actually throw my phone away, but I had to get it out like I was on my phone way too much. And that's when the comparison can really, really seep in. Okay, I've talked for literally 20 minutes on my one section. I've got more sections to go. So I need to speed it up. Okay, working mom life. Okay, you guys, I'm gonna be so honest. I'm so grateful for my job. I really like what I do. I do social media for a marketing company. And I do some other things that they need help with. It's a small company. And I love it. I'm an independent contractor. So I can make my own hours and I make, I can work as little, as much as I want, um, which is super great. As long as I get the things done that I need to do, like I work what I want. That also means I only get paid for the hours that I work. Um, and so I'm extremely grateful that I can work from home. I can work whenever, like outside of some meetings that I have, like I can do what I want, which is really great. And I'm so grateful for that. People ask me all the time how I got this job. The Lord gave me this job. I don't have any other answer for you. I knew the boss of the company from a job that I had before that. And he out of the blue one day asked me if I wanted to come work for him. And so I did. (laughs) So it was really crazy. Um, And people like, did you go to school for that? No, I have a psychology degree. Like it just kind of happened this way. So um, I'm really grateful for that. So with that being said, though, working with a five month old is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. It is extremely difficult. I often feel like I'm drowning. I'll just be honest. Like overall, it's like my mental state is pretty good. Like I'm very happy with Tate. Like everything is going for the most part. Okay. Um, but I, I feel like I'm drowning when it comes to work. Like it is so hard. It is so hard. We cannot afford childcare. Um, And I don't really want to send him like to daycare. So that's wouldn't be an option really anyway. Um, But it is so hard. People are like, well, what does it look like? Basically, because we don't really run off a schedule. And I'm sure maybe if we had a schedule, then I could work. That might be a little more easier. But I really just want to go off of what he his cues are. And I'm not going to be that way forever. I mean, like, I'm going to parent him and he's not going to run the house. Like, I definitely like. But he's a baby right now. He's five months old. So like I'm gonna go off his hunger cues. I'm gonna kinda go off his wake windows. And so since we don't really have like a he naps every day at 2 p.m. Cause also like I want us, if me and Thomas like wanna go out to eat one night, I wanna go out to eat. I don't wanna have to be like like super stuck on a bedtime. Like if if that works for you, great. That is not how we wanna live. Like if I wanna go to the store at two PM, like I should be able to do that and not have to stick to like his nap times. Like that's just personally how I how I parent you parent how you want. That's how I parent. Um, and so I basically work when he wakes up, when I'm, I'm feeding him the, like after he eats, I'll like lay him down. And then I'm kind am working while he's like playing with his toys or laying on his mat or sitting in the saucer. And then he's hungry again. So I'll feed him and I try to lay him down for a nap. He doesn't want a nap in his crib, but he will nap like laying on me or laying in the bed with me, like sitting up watching him. Um, So, you know, we're really trying to figure that out, trying to figure out how he should nap in his crib. We're struggling with that. But it is hard because I have to work around that. So depending on what time he wakes up during the day, I might just stay awake while he's taking his first nap back in the crib. Um, I'll stay awake and work. And that might be at 5 a.m. That might, you know, we don't know what time that is. Sometimes it's at 4.30. Or if I'm so tired, I'll go back to bed. And then I feel guilty because I should have been working during that time. So it's just a cycle. It is so hard. And thankfully, with Thomas's job, sometimes he can work from home. And so I do get help, which is great. Um, and also my best friend helps out so much with me during work. Like if I have a meeting, like she's usually she'll come over and hang out with Tate while i have a meeting. Um, or she'll text me and be like, Hey, I'm coming over. Hope uh, I want to help. <laughs> like, and that's what I want to say to anybody who is like, n- not sure how to support somebody who just had a baby. Like don't wait for them to ask you for help. Cause they're probably not going to, um, even if you're like best friends in the world, like they're still probably not going to ask you for help. Cause you don't really know how you need help until someone offers it to you. And, like, in that moment and says, like, hey, do you have any meetings this week? Can I come over and watch Tate during that? Like, that's what you need from people. Um, and so if you have, like, a new mom in your life, like, just literally say, hey, I'm going to do this this week. What time can I do that? Like, that is a what, what I have found personally that has helped so much. Like, our best friends are – here with us, they're raising Tate with us, basically, like it really is a village. And um, they help out so much. And they help out so, so much to where I'm able to get work done, which is great. And they can work too other, you know, while they're here. And so I cannot say thank you enough to my friends, you guys are the best. And you've helped so much. Um, but being a working mom is quite difficult. And I props to all the moms who like work out of the home, I know that is extremely difficult, I'm sure mentally. And you're a rock star because that is... Whew, so difficult. So, you know, that's where we're at. Um, and, and that's also why I haven't been able to get back into podcasting because Tate requires so much time. And when I'm not with, when like, I have a free moment, I feel guilty if I'm not working. And so because like, we need the money. And so, um, you know, I, it's just a cycle of like, if I have a free moment, I should be working and the podcast for me is part of like, is like my passion. I love it. I want this to be something I do full time. So I need, I'm trying to get back in the mindset of like, this is working as well. Um, and that's like beneficial if I'm podcasting, it's not wasting time. So that's why I haven't been able to podcast. And another thing on podcasting, something that I'm having to work through is, um, I didn't expect this to happen. Like now that Tate's here, He one day is going to be able to listen to every episode of this if he wants to, and he'll be able to see everything I post about him on Instagram. And so I'm like, hmm, that's interesting. I really think about things a lot more than I used to before I say them, because he can see that one day. Like, I want to talk about the real hard stuff, but I also want to give him his privacy. Like, I made my personal Instagram private. Like, I'm not letting everybody in that. I'm not, you know, I'll post pictures here and there of Tate, but like, I'm not showing you guys him in the bathtub because, like, no one needs to see that besides me and Thomas, you know? So it's just, like, trying to navigate that is a lot more difficult than I thought it was going to be, honestly. And it's not because I'm not, like, you know, proud of the things I say because I definitely am, and I think that he's going to be proud of his mom one day for talking about this hard stuff. Like, I hope that he thinks I'm, like, super cool for doing this. Um, But, like, I don't know. I just want to protect him, and I don't want him to, like – Come on here. I mean, I already know that like his mom and dad talk about their sex life for the world to know. Like he's gonna have to go to therapy about that. I'm sure. Like that's gonna be something he's gonna be like that's so weird. Um. So you know, I don't want to add any more layers to that. So I really think more about what I talk about, and I don't know if that makes sense. I'm not really fleshing that out very much, but it's something that I think about. Is I just want to make sure that everything I'm putting out there is something I'm okay with my son seeing and hearing one day. So. That's part of podcasting as well. I'm trying to try to navigate that, you know, just trying to navigate it. Okay. Now the the things you guys really want, the juicy stuff. You want to know about sex. You want to know about marriage, of course, because I'm nosy too. I want to know the juicy things. Let's talk about that. That's probably what you guys are here for. So sex, postpartum and marriage, it's not happening. I just got to be super honest. Um, I'm in some Facebook groups where people are like, I couldn't even wait the six weeks to have sex. I'm like, (laughs) could it be me? We didn't have sex until probably week like 13, 14 after having Tate and, um, we've had very few intercourse moments. Like, and I say intercourse specifically because we have been like intimate with each other physically, but not, not often. Um, and we haven't actually had like, you know, penis and vagina intercourse, that kind of sex That does not happen very much. And you're like, oh my God, Hannah, why? And it's because it's just time consuming. (laughs) And I will say it feels different after a baby. Now I'm not, it's not painful, which is good which is which is good. Like I I know you guys are wondering about vaginismus. I don't don't think vaginismus has come back since having a baby. I'm not experiencing pain. Uh, I have an extreme fear of getting pregnant again. Um, because pregnancy was so difficult for me. And I do want multiple kids, but I don't want them back to back. Like I, I don't want another baby for probably another two or three years. And so I'm not on hormonal birth control or any birth control at all. And so we're just using condoms and that still scares me. And so I think the fear of getting pregnant has like kept me from having, from having intercourse. And that's not something I was really prepared for. I was like, I did not know that that was going to be a thing for me. Um, because condoms are great. And a lot of times they don't fail. I don't know why I just have it in my mind that it's going to fail. Um, But I think that holds me back from having sex. And, like, I need to try—I like the condoms that we're using now. We're using the Mod ones. I like those, but I think I need to try some other brands as well because just— condoms are just a little bit different they just feel a little bit different and I don't know if that has to do with vaginismus or not but um I do think sometimes like it's been a little uncomfortable I'll say since having a baby um it just feels different so it's not painful like it does not feel like the vaginismus is painful it just feels a little bit different I think it's because and I've heard other people talk about this like when you're breastfeeding it literally makes you so dry (laughs) like so 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 dry and so I think that's why even though we'll use as much lube as we want you know it's still still is not the same if you're not turned on. And so like, I was telling Thomas the other day, I was like, I look at you and think that you are the like sexiest person in the world. I love you so much. I'm so physically attracted to you, but my brain and my body are not communicating with that. Like I think that and see that and like, really like the way you look and really want to like do things with you but the body not keeping up. So that's been a real struggle postpartum with trying to get back into having sex. And so I'm like my body and my brain need to talk more. I'm like we need to get this figured out. We need to communicate because I don't know why it's not happening. Well, I guess I know why breastfeeding really does affect you. And so I I'm just been super dry. And I don't know how long that's going to last. I probably should talk to my doctor about it and figure that out. It's probably a hormone thing. I just have been so busy with trying to take care of Tate and work and go to church and be a good friend and all the bunch of things going on. Also, that I'll talk about later, I just like I have, you know, not been able to prioritize that. Now, me and Thomas do really try to prioritize each other. We often talk about how we miss each other, even though we're together a lot. Um, We just miss the time that we have just together because for us, like something that we've gone through is that anytime there's a free moment where like Tate is asleep, like at night, like we don't want to stay up. We want to go to bed because like, I don't know how many times he's going to wake up throughout the night. I will say I'm very grateful. Tate pretty much sleeps through the night. He may wake up once, but if he wakes up, it's only one time and he sleeps from like nine 30 to like four 6. It's really beautiful. I didn't do anything special with that. I don't know. It just happened and I'm grateful. <laughs> I don't sleep train. I don't know what happens. Anytime he cries, like I'm picking him up immediately. So uh, lucky. I don't know. I think that's Lord's way of being kind to me since pregnancy was so hard. Um, but I, yeah, so it's, it's difficult. Like it really is difficult. Like as soon as we put him down, like I don't want to do anything else. I want to go to bed immediately. So I really have to get in the mindset of like our marriage is super important and like putting each other first is you know, next to Jesus needs, that's, that's how we're going to create a good home for Tate is if we're in a good space. And so we do schedule date night. That happens. Um, we tried to go on a date the other night and Tate lost it for hours. Don't really know what was going on. (laughs) Um, he wouldn't take a bottle and I was like, cool. So I left date night early, but you know, we're, we're scheduling dates. Our friends watch Tate. Like I'm have felt very confident with that. So I have been able to go on dates, but like putting it on the calendar, you just got to do that. You just got to put it on the calendar, um, or else it's not going to happen. And so that has been, um, kind of where we're at postpart or like with our, with sex, like we have gotten, you know, really creative with doing things outside of intercourse. And that has been really fun. Um, but it just, it's not the same. I'll just be honest. It's not the same. Um, and I honestly don't I don't feel super like sad about that necessarily. Thomas isn't either um, because we recognize this is just where we're at right now, but we're not going to let it be forever. Like, cause when there's, when it's been a while since we've even like kissed each other or like done more than just kiss, we've talked about it and we're like, okay, like we need to do this again tonight. Like let's let, when we have a free moment, like let's take advantage of that. Um, and then we do, we follow through on it. We just don't, we don't just talk about it. We actually follow through. And so that's really, really important when you're trying to navigate postpartum because like, it's, it's hard when you have a baby. And so we will talk about it and then actually follow through. And it's that it's been difficult, but we're making it work. Um, I will say marriage wise, like there's been, um, I'm, just, I'm going to throw myself under the bus. My hormones have been insane and something I really had to work through for a long time and still struggle with to this day is like if Thomas says he's tired, I'm like, no, you're not, <laughs> which is so rude. Um, It's so rude. I get extremely angry anytime he sleeps. Um, And I have heard from other women that I'm not the only one who feels that way. I'm like, I'm breastfeeding, you you get to sleep when I'm breastfeeding, like you get to sleep whenever you want. And no, I don't have that luxury. Um, but I love that because I love that that's my role as his mom is to like be available, you know, whenever he needs me. And that's beautiful. But I just have some resentment with that. And I'll just be so honest. And hey, that's something that I have to work through a lot. Um, and I really have to work through that because part of his being tired is his medication that he's on. And I'll talk about that when I get to the OCD part. But it's not literally not his fault. Like he literally has mental illness and I need to chill. I need to be more empathetic and I'm trying. So that's a struggle, um, is the just like rage I feel, um, when he is complaining about being tired. I'm like, there's no way. Uh, and that's something that I have to work through. And I say, I'm sorry a lot. Just to be honest, I definitely give myself grace. And Thomas is like so kind to me and is so gracious to me. Like I, he's such an angel and I'm so grateful for that. Um, but that's kind of where our marriage has been. Like it's it's been difficult, but... I really feel like because we really prioritize being a team, it has made everything significantly easier. Like we really are a team We we parent together, we do things together. And before this, we really are each other's best friend. Like if there's anything I'm going to do with somebody, like I want to do it with Thomas. I don't want to do it with anybody else. I mean, I, I, we have our best friends that I love doing stuff with, but like he's my person. And so like, we love doing things together. And that really does play like a part, and I think in how our marriage is still doing okay after having a baby because, like, we love each other still, and still want to hang out, and still want to do things, and we just see it as like something we do together, not like we or we see parenting and you know putting it like uh prioritizing our marriage like we look at it as like we're doing this for each other and for the betterment of our marriage and anytime we're like fighting or anything like remembering like okay we're not going against necessarily each other we're trying to fight against this problem and i really try to lead with like we're doing the best we can and not get like super angry at him or think that he's malicious about something like i'll tell you guys a couple weeks ago this is what right when Tate started biting me like Thomas was doing some of his like therapy practices and he fell asleep and I got extremely angry at him because he fell asleep and he wasn't falling asleep on purpose, but I just got really mad for some reason and I said some really hurtful things to him. And I let my emotions get the best of me truly. Um, But I think it really was my hormones because Tate was biting me and I was like, breastfeeding was really painful. And I was like crying because it was hurting. And then I was crying because I yelled at Tate on accident because it hurt when he bit me and I yelled and then I felt really bad about that. And so I was like breastfeeding and it was really hard at the moment and Thomas was asleep, but I needed him to wake up. And it was just like so many emotions and I was really mean to him. And I had to like dial that back, but that is literally my hormones. And so I've had to learn to be really gracious with myself and be able to admit when I'm wrong and say, I'm sorry when I've said things that I shouldn't have. Um, and that's one thing that like, if you're you know about to have a baby or you're newlywed, like or new into parenting and being a parent, like I used to think, you know, people always say what they mean. Like they don't, they, if they said it, they mean it. When you're sleep deprived or your hormones are going crazy, like sometimes you will say things you don't mean. And I had to like keep that in mind. I'm like, I did not mean that. I let the rage get the best of me. I let my hormones get the best of me. I did not mean that. And so I've had to really, Thomas and I both had to understand and say things like, I didn't mean that. I know I said that, but it's not actually actually how I feel. I'm really sorry. Like really get in the practice of that, especially if you're sleep deprived, you're just going to say things that you don't mean. And there's some times where I've been like, I want you to hurt because I'm hurting right now and I want you to hurt. And that's really mean. But again, I think that's my hormones being crazy, trying to like get back like regulated. But the longer I am out from from having him, the more regulated I'm feeling. So it is getting better. But I just had to be honest with just admitting my faults publicly to you. Don't shame me. And if you guys do, you know, I don't care because I'm doing the best that I can. <laughs> so that is, that is something that... I have definitely, um, definitely had to, I don't know, me, me being confident in who I am has definitely helped with like people saying things to me. I'm like, I know who I am and I know I'll say sorry if I messed up and I'm doing the best I can. And having that attitude really helps just in life. That's just an extra nugget for you. Okay. Last topic I want to update you guys on is Thomas's OCD. And so something that the internet loves to do. And just people in general love to throw around like, oh, that's my OCD. When people are talking about like having to have things lined up perfectly or wanting to be clean. They're like, oh, I'm just OCD. Um, Thomas actually is diagnosed with OCD. Like he has a diagnosis that he has this mental illness. He's totally okay with me talking about this. Um, he is totally fine with it. But he has actually been diagnosed with OCD. He specifically has scrupulosity, which is moral OCD. Which is an OCD, like you have, it's not like, it doesn't show up in the normal or the ways that other OCD does where it's like physical things, um like physical compulsions of like having to wash your hands seven times or having to say something like five or six times or whatever your number is or whatever. He doesn't have that necessarily. Um, sometimes some things like that will come out, but it's mostly he has OCD about having like being a morally good person. Um, sometimes this is called like religious OCD. Some people have it with like God of like, you know, they, they repent every moment of every day because they feel like they're not going to get into heaven because they, have like done something wrong. So like Thomas will basically, everything he's ever done in in life, like he remembers. And then also with that, sometimes his brain will tell him like, oh, you might have done this thing. And that, because you might have done that, that makes you a bad person. And so he will obsess over that thought for like days. And it's like, a compulsion that he like, the compulsion is obsessing over that thought for days. And then his compulsion is talking to me about it. So that's our specific thing is that his struggle is that he feels like he has to tell me everything that he's ever done or every thought that he might have. Um, he has to talk to me about it. That's his compulsion is talking to me. And so, um, I, he's, so with this OCD, the, his therapist that he has, he goes to an exposure therapy. Um, and that is extremely hard for the things that he specifically struggles with, which I'm not going to talk about because, That's a very personal thing, but like he, um, it's exposure therapy, which is difficult, but it is working. He also changed medications and the medication that he's on makes him really tired, which I was talking about earlier is really hard, but it's like flu. I don't remember the name, fluvoxin, something like that. Um, but it is a successful medication within people who have OCD. Um, he's been on a lot of different medications before, and I feel really grateful that we finally found the right medicine for him to be on. Um, this therapist that he's with is great. I've actually gone to a session with him, which has been cool. So I've gotten to talk to him because of his, ther- because of his OCD having to do with me. It's something that, like, I was going to his therapy with him to see how it was and to see, like, ways that I am could be enabling him or things that I should do to help him Um, because I thought that I was being super helpful and super great wife of being like, I'm here for you. We can talk about it if you want to. And even though some things to hear were hard, I was like, you know what, this is helpful. And then I learned that's actually not helpful with his scrupulosity. (laughs) Like I am enabling him by him always confessing things to me. So I was like, okay, I'm, I learned in therapy that I need to just tell him I'm here for him. Let that be the end of it. So, we're really trying to work through this. And it's really difficult. It's really difficult, honestly, him having this type of OCD. And um, I have a lot of empathy for him because, you know, for some people, like, I, something we joke about a lot is like, I don't, like, he thinks a lot and he can remember everything. And I'm not that way. Like, I don't think about everything I've ever done. And I'm confident that, like, the things I've messed up on, I've repented and it's okay. And Thomas, I'm I'm confident that Thomas is going to love me no matter what. And something with his OCD is, it's a lot of it is like, well, maybe, maybe, maybe not. Maybe she'll love you. Maybe she won't. And that's just like the thing that gets stuck in his head. And it has been quite difficult. Um, it has been quite difficult, but I never really heard people talk about this before, and so that's why I wanted to bring it up and bring awareness to it because I had no idea what this was. And we struggled with this ever since we got married, honestly. Um, but it got it got really bad probably two years into our marriage, and I thought we just had communication problems. I was like, we just could not figure out how to communicate. You're ever you're under communicating. I'm over communicating. Now you're over communicating to me, and I don't need to know your every thought and it would just, it was really difficult trying to figure out communication. And I was like, we just can't communicate. Right. And then we started, I started learning more and more about OCD. And I was like, I really think that you might have OCD. And one of his therapists that he saw previously mentioned was like, I think you might have OCD. Um, but I can't really treat you for that, the kind of treatment you need. And so we found a specific OCD therapist who have diagnosed him, and he's working with a psychiatrist as well. So we're going through a lot with that, Um, and it's been such a relief, honestly, to just have, like, answers to a lot of, like, what we've gone through and and that – you know, there's actually hope that he doesn't have to always be this way, which is very encouraging. Um, his therapist has said, like, if you really put in the work within like 12 weeks, you should see some kind of difference. And then six months in, you should see a real significant change, which is really great. And so he's going to therapy weekly and we are figuring it out day by day. And that's as much as I got about that. Honestly, we're figuring it out day by day. Um, he has good days. He has bad days, something that is really important. That he does is his therapy and work and tries to get, um, you know, healed from this as much as he can because there is a forty percent chance that it will be passed down to your child, um, genetically. So there's a forty percent chance that Tate could have this, uh, and that literally makes me like start to cry thinking about it. Um, and Thomas's therapist has said that's why you know it's so important that he puts in the work now, so that way if this is something that Tate does have, that he um, that he will see that his dad has gone through it, and that like there's hope on the other side, does it doesn't have to be you know as hard as it is, and it's just really important for him to get to the healthiest place that he can be um so that way he models that for our son, so you know that's where we're at with that, and yeah, I feel like I kind of covered all of my bases. Uh, with all of my topics that I wanted to catch you guys up on, so thanks for hanging out with me today. Let me know what other thoughts, questions you may have about the things I talked about. I'm definitely taking podcast requests. I have a list of topics that I want to speak about, and you know, get back on podcasting. But let me know your thoughts on things. I would love to keep this conversation going about stuff. Ask me whatever. Um, I love talking about stuff with you guys, and you can always keep up on Instagram at say what podcast. And thank you guys so much for hanging out with me today. I'm so happy to be. Back. Bad podcasting it's so much fun and um yeah we will talk soon